Hey, good morning, Spirit Church. I missed you guys last week. It's good to be back. Stay with us in worship this morning. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come Rest on us, rest on us. Come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart now. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart now. When you feel the room,
holy forever. At this time, we'd like to invite the prayer team to come down to the front. If you have a need or you'd like prayer over, our team would love to meet with you down at the altar to pray with you and to agree with you.
serve an incredible God. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. We're, we're so honored that you choose to spend your Sunday with us here at Spirit Church. Why don't you turn before we have a seat? Why don't you turn and greet someone, say hi, give a fist bump or a high five this morning. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Corinne, and we are so glad you could join us today. If you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you a part of our family, and we want to connect with you. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. If you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and thank you for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, don't feel any pressure to give. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it off in either chaos in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or you can use our Church Center app. 
Spirit Church, you're the best. Now I have a few announcements for you. Next Sunday, October 8th, we are celebrating the 99th birthday of Spirit Church. This is a special day for us to look back on what God has done for us and to look ahead to the future for what he is going to continue to do. We have a lot of special surprises and make sure you come hungry. This Wednesday, October 4th, is First Wednesday at 7 p.m. We are going to gather as a church family to spend time in prayer and worship. Child care is available birth through five years old, and we encourage you to bring your older kids in the worship center with you. And lastly, before you leave today, make sure you stop by the merch table and check out all of our new stuff. We love you, Spirit Church. Now let's get at our message notes as Pastor Jason comes to start our new series, Roller Coaster. Hey, we are so glad that you are here today. Thanks for taking time to be with us. What an awesome crowd. Give yourself another big hand for being here. You look amazing today. Yeah, and would you, thanks Grant. Would you welcome everybody who's watching online or listening to us on the radio? And we're glad that you're a part of our church family. You know, the mission of Spirit Church is to share the love, joy, and peace of Jesus Christ with the least, the last, and the lost. We've been emphasizing that over the last month. But specifically for 2023 and 2024, God has given us a vision for what he wants us to do. And it's three simple words, reach one more. Even Cindy's wearing it right here on the front row to help us stay uh, reminded of that. Let's put that up on the screen if we can. We're trying to reach one more in everything that we do. And so your attendance and being here today is so greatly appreciated. Our 8 o'clock service is so greatly appreciated. Our 11 uh, o'clock worship experience. We're trying to make room. That's why we're in three worship experiences right now. We're trying to make room for more people to come in. People ask me all the time, do you, li do you like being a lead pastor? Do you like living in Bartlesville? I love both of those things. But I always follow it up with, I love Bartlesville so much. It's become home to us, but it's a broken place. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but we see it every day, don't we? There's a lot of broken people who need Jesus. They don't need us. They don't need another church. They need Jesus. And what we're praying is that God would use this ministry and this church to reach one more. So keep inviting, keep encouraging. If you haven't tried out the 8 o'clock service, try out the 8 o'clock worship experience. There's a free breakfast. And... 80% of the people that go to that service show up at 7.30 for the free breakfast. They come in, they're supercharged and ready to go and fully caffeinated when we get into it. But we're trying to make room and free up extra seats for more people to come. So thank you for being a part. And while we talk about reaching one more next week, as Corinne said on the video, is the 99th birthday of Spirit Church. Now, 99 years of anything is cool, but especially a church that God's faithfulness has been a part of this church for 99 years. I hope you come ready to celebrate. We're going to have some very powerful moments, so I want to prepare you for that, but we're also going to have some celebratory moments. There's going to be a little bit of both. The one thing I want to remind you is we're going to baptize people in all three worship experiences, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. And so we need you to sign up so that we know when to be prepared for you. You can go online to our website, spirit.church, and you go down to events and signups, and you can sign up right there to let us know so that we're prepared for you. And let me encourage you, if you're getting baptized next week, invite everybody. This is a wonderful tool to reach one more. Invite your friends, family, people that don't know the Lord, people that are far from God. Allow them to come see what God is and has been doing in your life. It's a great testimony. When we talk about reaching one more, uh, this past Wednesday night we had the Taco Bell Olympics. It's a great event for our students. Pastor Daniel and Emily and our student ministry team put it on. And it's a great way after see you at the poll that morning where our students prayed for their schools and for God to move in our culture and in our country. They came together to celebrate. And I was talking to a mom afterwards and uh, Ethan's my man my buddy sitting right here and she said you know Jason the problem is I have to start an hour before service picking up kids and it takes me an hour after service to drop off kids so I told Ethan and his sister JC this is what um, Nicole said I told my kids we can't bring any more kids to church it's taken too long to pick them up and drop them off we're out of seats and Ethan said mom we got to reach one more <laughs> and so how many come on that's my man right there. How many of you grew up in the back seat of a station wagon and you think, Nicole, it might be time for you to invest in a station wagon to reach one more to come? Here, take a look at this video of what happened Wednesday night at the Taco Bell Olympics.
Didn't know you could use a quesadilla as a football. Now you do. It's possible. Would you stand with me? We're going to go right to our In the Vault text this morning. I want to use this opportunity to remind you why we share an In the Vault text every month. It's because we believe in the power of God's Word. It's living and active. It changes people's lives. It makes us more like Jesus. And there are a lot of things right now that want attention and they want headlines and they want focus. There's a lot of ideologies and a lot of opinions that want to be glorified. But my commitment to you as your pastor is you will only hear the word of God preached when you come to Spirit Church. That's all we're going to talk about is what God word, God's word says. It's good enough for my great-grandfather who was a Pentecostal pastor, and it's good enough for me. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's still living and active, and it changes our hearts and our lives. And so this is our new In the Vault text because today, believe it or not, is October the 1st, and we've progressed that far into our calendar year. But let's say this verse together on three, one, two, three. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. That last sentence is going to come back into play here in just a few moments, but pray with me if you will. Father, your word is living, active, and powerful. We've said that three times now this morning because we believe it and we've seen it come to fruition in our lives. This morning, would you communicate to us individually, uniquely, specifically exactly what we need to hear? Don't let people hear from me. They don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. Holy Spirit, move in and minister to us. We thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Our new series is called Roller Coaster, and I want to ask you do you like roller coasters? Because I love roller coasters. I love going to amusement parks. My family has passes at Silver Dollar City, and here's a picture of us riding the wildfire not long ago, I think right at the uh, end of summer near Labor Day, maybe it even was Labor Day. Front row on that ride with your hands up in the air is so much fun. As I said, we have season passes, and sometimes what we will do is park, go all the way there, park, walk in, and go straight to the greatest ride on the planet. Do you know what it's called? 
Time Traveler, thank you for whoever said that, Daniel Franklin. Time Traveler, we'll go ride the Time Traveler. It's amazing, and we will literally walk right back out of the park. It's so much fun. We also love Disney. I've been to Disney World and to Disneyland, the one in Orlando and the one in California. And at Disneyland, they have a thing called California Adventure, and it's the Lightning McQueen ride. And so here's the photo. I got to ride the Lightning McQueen ride, got to be in the car. But the best part of that was after the ride, I got to meet Lightning McQueen in person. Now, come on. It's like every eight-year-old kid's dream. I got to meet Lightning McQueen with my friends. You know, there's a ride there called Soren that's immersive, and we love it. There's one called Avatar Flight of Passage, and I, I can't understand that movie. I've tried to watch it. It makes no sense. But the ride is absolutely amazing. And I love roller coasters. They're so exciting. I love the ups and downs, the twists and the turns, the spins, the dips, the acceleration. It's amazing. The thrills are so contagious. Roller coasters are so much fun unless you didn't want to be on one. Right? And then it's miserable. And you're being forced onto it. And it's nothing that you were prepared for. Has your life ever felt like you were on a roller coaster? Like as soon as you get to the top of the hill, you get drugged right back down. Or when you least expect it to happen, you get thrown for a loop. Or when the pace is fast and furious, and all of a sudden then you start going backwards. Have things ever felt like a real life roller coaster? Like everything's going great, and then boom, your car breaks down. Or nothing's going great, it's all chaotic, and then out of nowhere, an unexpected bill comes as if it can't get worse. Or everything at work is, seems to be going well, and then bam, transition hits, and it throws a wrench into everything. Several biblical heroes experienced the roller coaster of life, the ups and downs. A few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, I was invited to speak at Okwu. Where's my Okwu people this morning? And what I thought? It's kind of what I thought. Um, come back at 11 a.m., and they'll make a lot more noise when I say that. Uh, but they invited me to preach there. I kind of expect this to be some yelling. They invited me to preach, and we talked about the roller coaster life of Joseph. And when you think about Joseph from the book of Genesis, you know, he was the most loved son of his father, but he was hated by his brothers. So he was sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. He was given some authority while he was there, but then Potiphar's jealous wife accuses him of rape. And so he's thrown into prison. But in prison, he was put in command of everyone in prison. And he was like the number one guy. And then his friends who got promoted back to the palace totally forgot about him there. And then he once again was promoted and he was second in command of all of Egypt. So it was up and down life for him. And we're not going to look at Joseph's story today. Instead, I want to study the roller coaster life of Gideon. If you have your Bible, we're in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8 all throughout this series. But for some of us, and, and maybe even myself to some extent, our knowledge about Gideon comes from a Veggie Tale movie. I don't know about you, but my family, we about broke the DVD of the Gideon story from Veggie Tales. We watched it over and over and over again, and you were having to blow on it and rub it against your shirt and put it back in and hope that it would play and, and not stop. But Judges 6 through 8 are such a rich teaching about the ups and downs of Gideon's life. He experienced everything that you would find on a roller coaster, the highs and lows, the doubts and fears, the disbelief and the hope, all of it in a short amount of time. And the background of the story of Gideon is that he was an Israelite and the children of Israel did evil things in the sight of God so the Midianites were allowed to come in and have authority over the Israelite people. The Midianites were very cruel. In fact, for seven years, every year at harvest time, the Midianites would show up right as the crops were ready to be uh, harvested and they would steal all the crops and use it to feed themselves. And what's worse than that, they stole all the sheep, all the goats, all the cattle, and all the donkey from the Israelites. So now you have a people of whom Gideon is one that are starving to death, but they're also scared to death. They're totally afraid of the Midianites. It was so bad that they were even hiding in caves. And Judges 6.6 6 says they're reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Life had gotten so difficult for them that they were reduced to starvation, and they cried out to the Lord for help. And I love how both of those sentences are in the same verse. Because isn't that how our life goes sometimes? That our enemies come in, they try to take everything from us, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we have nowhere else to turn, we can cry out to the Lord for help. Now, we should have cried out to him long before that, right? 
But how many have found it to be true in your life as well that God is always faithful? And when we cry, he answers. And so God appears to Gideon, and the Bible tells us that Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now let me tell you two important things. I know nothing about threshing wheat. I didn't even know that was a thing. Number two, I know nothing about wine presses. But I'm fairly confident that if you want to thresh wheat, a wine press is not the proper location to do that. Okay, I'm just checking with those of you who have threshed wheat before to see if I'm on the right track. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that's not where you do that. So Gideon is riding this roller coaster, as is his nation. And this morning we're going to call it the roller coaster of doubt. That's the roller coaster that he was on. And maybe there's some of you in this room that you say, ooh, man, I feel like I'm on that roller coaster or have been on that roller coaster. Or I feel like I'm in the waiting line to get on that roller coaster. The reason I know that is several of you have reached out to me this week and you've talked about a circumstance or a situation that is going on in your life. And we see it all around us where Satan has come in and he has attacked people and he's attacked communities and he attacks churches because he wants to sow seeds of doubt. If Satan can cause us to doubt, he can move us further away from God. And the further we move away from God, the closer we move to him. And that's exactly where he wants us. And so he plays on and manipulates and uses our doubt to keep us from accomplishing all that God has for us. And, and if that's you this morning, if you're on the roller coaster of doubt right now, or if you feel like you maybe are about to get on, can I encourage you, lean in to Gideon's story. You might even want to stand back with your video camera and tape his roller coaster and watch and see how he handles it so that you'll be prepared because all of us at some point in time in our life are going to be on that same roller coaster that Gideon was on. So we're in Judges chapter 6, verse number 12 is kind of where the story picks up. Gideon is in the wine press, he's threshing wheat again, we're not sure except that he's scared to death and an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says these words, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you, verse number 15 of Judges 6. Gideon responds, but Lord... How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Maybe the most important words in that entire chapter, maybe the whole book. I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, then show me a sign to prove that it really is the Lord who is speaking to me. So from these few verses of scripture, I want to walk you through the roller coaster that Gideon was on because I think many of us in the room can relate to it. The first part of a good roller coaster is that first hill, right? And that's where Gideon starts. He starts on the first hill of the roller coaster where he's called Mighty Warrior. Now remember where he started threshing wheat in a wine press and and roller coasters typically start on the ground level and then they take you up the hill and you can hear the clickety clack clickety clack of the train climbing its way slowly but surely up the hill and so from being scared to death being starved to death God appears to Gideon and says mighty hero now I don't know how you envision superheroes or fairy tales or cartoon characters but this is not my idea of a mighty hero. The mighty hero would be standing on top of the mountain, pointing in a direction, saying, we're going to take all of them, we're going to wipe them out, and here the mighty hero is found hiding out in a wine press. And God says this in Judges 6, 12, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Some of your translations might say mighty man of valor or mighty warrior. Well, let me show you where the mighty man of valor, the mighty hero, the mighty warrior was. Let me show you what a wine press looked like in Bible days. He's hiding almost like in a foxhole down underneath the ground level where people wouldn't be able to see him. He doesn't want the Midianites to know where he is. He doesn't want them to understand that he has grain that they can steal. He, he doesn't want to be caught or to be found out. He's hiding down in the bottom of a wine press. 
And then God says to this man who is scared, afraid, hungry, tired, and distressed, the Lord is with you. You're a mighty hero. Isn't it interesting that God's image of us always supersedes our identity? What we think about ourselves pales into comparison to what God says about us. In fact, Psalm 139 is one of the best chapters in the whole Bible, and I love how David writes these words, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. So when God says to Gideon, mighty hero, he's not saying it based on who Gideon is right now. He's saying it because he's examined the heart of Gideon. He's saying it because he created Gideon, and he knows the plans he has for them. And it goes on to say, you know everything about me. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in the day, or if I go down to the grave, you are there. And as Gideon is in the wine press and he's threshing weed, he probably feels like he's in the grave in that moment. How can life get much worse for me and my people? But here, God takes him to the top of the big hill and calls him a mighty hero. Well, what happens on a roller coaster after you get to the top of the big hill? You go down, right? And that's what happens. There's a big drop, and the big drop comes when Gideon starts asking why and where that was his big drop God says you're a mighty hero you're going to rescue Israel and Gideon says why and where now before we get into that have you ever complimented someone and they just rolled their eyes at you by the laughter I think that must be a, a powerful thing that happens but we try to say an encouraging one word to someone and they just ignore us like we didn't even say it and that's kind of what happened to Gideon here God says you're a mighty warrior you're going to rescue Israel and Gideon takes the conversation down the hill very fast look at verse 13 mighty hero you're going to rescue Israel verse 13 but if the Lord is with us then why has all this happened to us and if the Lord is with us, then where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites? Probably whether we want to admit it or not, all of us at some point in time in our lives have asked that question of God, where are you and why is this happening to me? What's taking place? Why is this going on inside of me? And when God wants to take us up the roller coaster, we go down the hill with a big drop and we start asking those same questions of where and why. It's human nature. David in the Psalms, he did it. He did it three times in the first 22 Psalms. Psalm 10:1. O oh Lord, why do you stand so far away and why do you hide when I'm in trouble? Psalm 13. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? Psalm 22, the words that Jesus repeated on the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned or forsaken me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? So Gideon's roller coaster of doubt has started with God taking him up, telling him you're gonna be a mighty hero. Gideon has brought the roller coaster back down and said, where are you and why is this happening to me and to my people? And then after that big drop, sometimes roller coasters go through the twist the big twist, the corkscrew part. And, and for Gideon, it was God telling him to go and rescue. God, Gideon asked God, where are you and why is this happening? But God doesn't answer Gideon's question. And isn't that like God sometimes when we pose our question at him, he comes back to us with not the answer we were expecting to hear from him. So in verse 14, rather than answering Gideon, the Lord turns to him and says, go in the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites for I'm sending you. Now, can I, can I pause and just ask a question? What strength is God talking about here? Uh, they're out of food. All their donkeys, all their animals, all their resources and supplies have been stolen. He's so brave that he's hiding in the bottom of a wine press with the little bit of wheat that he has. What strength could he possibly have? And the answer to that question is found right there at the end. I am sending you. See, when we don't think we have strength, when we sell ourselves short, 
when we don't believe in ourselves, and when our circumstance looks overwhelming and daunting, God says, go in the strength that you have because I am sending you. God is not going to send you somewhere that he's not going to empower you to accomplish the task for which he has sent you. And that's what happens in this scenario. Gideon doesn't think he can do it. Gideon doesn't think it's going to happen. But God says, I'm sending you. And I'm not just sending you, I'm strengthening you for the task that I'm giving you. You see, when God calls you, he gives you strengths and gifts that you didn't know existed. And those show up in your life because God says that he is with you. So Gideon goes up to the top of the hill. He drops down. Then there's a big twist where God says, no, 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 you're not going to be scared in this moment. Put aside your doubts and your questions. We'll deal with those. You're going to go rescue Israel. This is the twist of the story. But then like any good roller coaster, once you've gone up to the top and down and through a twist, they take you to the dark part of the ride. You go into a cave or a tunnel or a building and the lights go out and everything doesn't make sense. And, and for Gideon, the dark part of the ride was when he just confessed to the Lord, I I'm too weak and we're not going to put the scripture up for you just yet. But you'll remember his response is, my clan is the least and I'm the weakest in my, my clan. I can't do it. We can't do it. And God says, no, go. I am the one who is sending you. Gideon suffers from this condition that I think I've created and diagnosed myself. It's called decision fatigue. Have you ever suffered from decision fatigue? You, you will tomorrow or maybe even once this service is over when this simple question is posed to you, where do you want to eat? That's the number one time for decision fatigue to set in in your life when you say, I'm tired of answering that question. Robin sometimes says, I'm just going to give everybody a bottle of Ensure. That's going to be our meal. We're not making any more choices about food. We're not cooking anything else. It's decision fatigue, and especially my young parents in the house, right? When you have to answer question after question and make decision after choice after decision, we suffer from decision fatigue. We don't know where to go or what to do. And for Gideon, you would think he had decision fatigue, except God gave him the roadmap. He told him exactly what to do. Go in the strength that you have. I'm sending you. Go do the job and the task that I have called you to. You're a mighty hero. You're going to rescue Israel. I'm doing it for you. It's like a great coach who draws up a perfect play, and all you have to do is execute it. It's like the plan that you just need to follow. And how does Gideon respond to God's plan for him? Judges chapter 6 and verse number 15. But Lord, how can I do it? How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Now, I have to be honest, until I really dug in and studied this, every time I studied this scripture, I did probably what most of us do. Yes, you can, Gideon. You're good enough. You're smart enough. People like you. I think I can. I think I can. And the little blue engine chugged his way up the hill. I think I can. I think I can. And Dwight Schrute said, I am awesome. And we get all these, and we just got to motivate ourselves and talk ourselves up, but we misread the cultural context of the scripture. What Gideon isn't saying isn't just simply that I don't believe in myself. He's saying this isn't culturally possible. With my tribe and my clan being the weakest, it's not even a thought in his mind. There are other bigger, stronger, mightier clans and tribes that should have stepped up. And even if it were to fall to his family, to his particular family, he was the least in his family. It's not just that nobody would have believed in him, it's that he is bought into the narrative. He doesn't even believe in himself. And maybe sometimes we all buy into that narrative where we stop believing in ourselves we stop listening to what God has to say about us Judges six fourteen again God said go in the strength that you have rescue Israel because I am sending you and the question that we have to ask Gideon is the same question we have to ask ourselves how often does God believe in us but we sell ourselves short or worse we sell him short how many times has he empowered us and enabled us, but we have limited him? And this might not be the, the best example of this, but in February and March, we had what we called vision desserts. And we met with groups of people here in the church, and we were raising pledges for the new building that we're going to be building soon. And during that time, I would always say this line, 
Our current building right now, we owe $1.6 million on this building. So if God impresses that upon your heart, that is the amount to write on the check is $1.6 million. And that's exactly what happened every time I said that, is people laughed at me. God laughs at that number. Now, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just telling you, God laughs at that number. But we limit God because we kind of chuckle like, ha that's not going to happen. And let me just tell you, when God does move upon somebody to write that check, I promise you, I'm going to be laughing. I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be running. I'm going to be jumping on tables. I'm going to be doing cartwheels and backflips and stuff. You won't have to wonder if we got the building paid off. You'll know by my response to it. But in the process, could we just not limit God? Again, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not getting on to anyone. But we kind of laugh at stuff that we think, mm, God couldn't do that. God wouldn't do that. And that's kind of what Gideon did he limited God and do we do that has it got to the point that we have allowed people in our lives to speak so much negativity into us that we've stopped trusting in the power of the almighty all-knowing God have I gotten to that point in my life and I think if I have then I've got to start believing again in who God says that I am I've got to start listening once more to what God says about me and what God says about his plan for my life I've got to start rejecting negative messages from negative people and don't raise your hand but how many of us have allowed some negative people to live rent free in our minds for way too long and I said don't raise your hands and some of you did anyways but that's okay the in the vault text talks about this the last line i told you it was coming psalm chapter 18 and verse 29 david says in your strength remember what god told gideon go in the strength i'm giving you you're going to rescue israel david says in your strength god i can crush an army with my god i can scale any walls a lot of times we like gideon are doing things in our own strength and we ought to be operating in god's strength like Gideon, we're quick to point out our weaknesses, but God wants to empower us through those things. In fact, the Bible says that his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. He's not looking for us to be strong. He's looking for us to be weak so that his power can be showcased through us. But in the midst of that weakness, when we are doubting, he's asking us to lay down our doubt and to trust him. When we're in the dark part of the ride to let go and to let God hold us safe. And that's where we get to the next part of the ride. The next part is the big finish, right? You're on the roller coaster and there's this last big finish. It's that last loop or that last spin or hill and your fear of the ride is mostly gone. You're opening your eyes. You're enjoying the ride. You may even let go of the bar and throw your hands up because you know it's almost done. But for Gideon, he just can't do it yet. He's just not sure that he believes. So God reassures him just like a restraint on a roller coaster. Now, if you've been on a roller coaster, they typically make you wear a seat belt or they put the shoulder harness over you. You're familiar with the shoulder harness? And, and, and I'm not a normal sized person, might be the best way to say that. And so I try to pull the shoulder harness down and I think I've got it pretty tight. And then the 15 year old girl who works for the amusement park comes and she like shoves that thing through my sternum to where I can't breathe anymore. And it's not that I'm going to come out of the ride while it's on. It's going to pass out from lack of oxygen that can get, because she's, Ugh! I'm like, golly. And you know, it's, it's that way with God too. We need that shoulder harness, that restraint to remind us, I got you. I'm with you. Hold on to me, not your circumstance. Trust in my strength. Trust in my protection. I am what is taking you through this roller coaster of doubt that you were on. And that's exactly what God says to Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and verse 16. He says those powerful words, I will be with you. I'm your shoulder harness. I'm your lap belt. I am holding you tight. I'm going to be with you. And I'm not just going to be with you, he says. You're going to destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. That would just be a normal sentence in any other book, but in the Bible, it's so powerful because what does it mean that Gideon was fighting against one man? Well, if we flipped over to Judges chapter 7, just one, one chapter later, Judges 7 and verse 12 tells us that it wasn't just one man that was coming against him. It was actually three armies, the army of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east. They had come in and they had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts, and their camels were like grains on the seashore. There were too many of them 
to count. But God says to Gideon, don't worry that you can't count them. Don't worry that they outnumber you. Don't worry that it seems insurmountable. I am with you. I am going to send you. You're going to rescue Israel. You're going to make it. And I love this part because Gideon's response to God is, I need another sign. It's that, that last part of the ride that we didn't expect. It's that last hill. You know how some of those best rides, you think it's over, but then there's one last little dip or one last turn that it throws you for where it's Gideon who throws the turn or dips into the hill this time. He says, I'm just not sure that I believe. I, I, need, I need one more sign. It's that, that doubt that he's still dealing with after all that God has promised. Gideon is still struggling with his doubt. In verse 17, after God says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to send you, Gideon says, if I've found favor in your eyes, what do you mean if you found favor? He's already told you. If I found favor, then show me a sign. Prove it. Prove it. Prove that, that you're really the one who is speaking to me and I'm not making this up on my own. Again, it would be so easy to dogpile on Gideon and to blame him and to point out all the things that he has done wrong if we hadn't have all been in the same spot at one point or time or another in our lives. I know I've been there. When God seems like he's just made it abundantly clear and I say, you know, God, if you just have the worship team sing such and such song that I'll really know it's you. God, if you just, if you just make the pastor come pray over me, then I'll, then I'll trust and then I'll believe. God, God, if you just give me just one more sign, just one more word, just, just one more truth, then I'll, then I'll truly buy in and I'll let go of all of my doubt. And what we're gonna see even next week is that Gideon struggles with doubt throughout his life, but he learns how to let go and how to trust God. And we don't have time to get into all of it this morning, so you're gonna have to tune in at the same bat time and the same bat channel next week to catch the end of the message. But let me address something important before we move on is that if you have doubt the remedy is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's not what you can find or look up on the internet. It's not what your friends want to tell you or their best advice. It's not even someone else's experience. It's Christ. And he's the starting point. He's the starting point. That's why the Bible says he's the author, the originator, and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. It's all about Jesus. It always has been and always will be. And we're, we're going to ride roller coasters throughout our lives, metaphorically. We're going to go through roller coasters of doubt and faith and, and fear and pain and hurt and heartbreak. And while we're on these roller coasters, the only constant is always Jesus. He's the lap bar. He's the shoulder harness. He's the seatbelt that is holding us tight while we're going through. I want you to bow your head and I want to ask you a simple question. Have you allowed Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you, have you trusted Him? Have you trusted Him with your whole heart, with your whole being, with all of your life? We call it saying yes to Jesus. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? And maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said yes to Jesus, but doubt as it does has crept in and you stopped living in a way that honors and pleases Him and you've walked away from your relationship or faith in Him. Maybe you're here and you've had doubt about Jesus and, and you don't know if he's real or if he's true and this morning he's revealing himself and you can sense it and you can feel it and you're experiencing, that's his love. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming in to overwhelm you right now. So if you've never said yes to Jesus or if you said yes to Jesus but things have drawn you away from him and today you wanna recommit, re-solidify your commitment and your faith in him, would you just lift your hand right now and make eye contact with me? I won't embarrass you. We just want to pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've seen at least five, six hands that have gone up. It's never about numbers. It's about stories, what God is doing. I'm just saying that to encourage all of us. Anyone else? Maybe you're watching online and you say, man, I, I need to trust Jesus today. If that's you, would you just write the word yes in your text box, your chat box there, however you're watching. Let us know what God is doing. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. This morning, those of you who lifted your hands and maybe those who felt that impression but you weren't 
you weren't sure about it, when you put your belief in Jesus, there's that second step, and that's that confession, confessing that he is Lord and Savior. And so we pray a prayer together just to make that easy for you. It's, you're going to pray many prayers in your walk with Christ, but this is a good starting point. And I want everybody in the room, those watching online, let's all join together and pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thankful for the work that God is doing in hearts and lives. And if you said yes today, there's a number on the screen. You can text us. We want you to be one of those folks that gets baptized. We want to help you grow in your faith and become more like Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean it's going to get easy. It just means he's going to be with us. Now, if you're able, we're going to close this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand if you can. And I want us to close with that simple question that we've been dealing with for the last month or so. It's just those words, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? So right now where you are, would you just ask that of the Lord? I'm going to be real quiet for a second. And we're just going to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Make that your prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? talking about roller coasters this morning you know there's nothing wrong with holding on to that shoulder harness some will say oh it's more fun with your arms up and it probably is but there's nothing wrong with with holding on and being reminded that you're securely fastened to that seat and for some of you this morning where you're on the roller coaster of doubt today might be a good point a good moment a good time just for you to grab tightly not to the restraints to the arms of Jesus. He's holding you right now. He's holding you as you struggle with doubt, as things around you don't make sense, as it's chaotic with ups and downs and twists and turns and dark parts. When you're holding on to him, he's got you and you're safe. So however you want to do that right now, if you want to just say, Lord, I'm holding on to you, if you want to maybe put your arms in that posture or that position, if you just want to make that prayer, Lord, help me to hold on to you. Life is a chaotic ride sometimes. There's things that we didn't expect and it moves faster than we want it to. But we choose to trust you and hold on to you. Now across this room, if you're able, can we lift our hands to him and can we just thank him that even in the midst of our doubt, we can trust him. Even in the midst of our fear, he's faithful. Even in the midst of our worry, he's there for us. Come on, begin to verbalize your praise if you're comfortable in doing that. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God. I praise you that you're with me and you're for me, that you're faithful. We trust you. Make that a prayer. I trust you, Jesus. What a great day it's been. Man, God's been in this house today. His presence has been here. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. We have some merch in the commons available for you. If you want to continue to share the love, joy, and peace of Jesus with our community, that's kind of why we do this. And so uh, just another way to get the, the word out. And so uh, it's out here in the commons, so feel free to check that out. Um, before we go, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.